Thank you, Nathaniel Rios. If you'll take your Bibles, turn to Judges chapter 14. Judges chapter 14. Throughout this study of the Judges, and specifically as we've gone through Samson, I've made the statement of um, try to put yourself in the story. Um, And I think this week, more even so than some of the others, I think if you're really honest with yourself, you will begin to see glimpses of yourself as you look into Samson in this story. So I I challenge you to think about that as we read. Lord, uh, let's look to Lord in prayer. Lord, we are thankful that we can come and open up your word. Lord, we are uh, lost people without you. We know that you have given us this book as a, a, a guideline, as a, really as a way to show us how to live and how to please you, to know who you are, to understand in a greater way what you have done for us. And so, Lord, I pray it will help us to take this passage this morning and understand it and apply it to our lives. Lord, we are thankful for this opportunity. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. A number of years ago, in, uh, on February 24th of 2001, a story was uh, told in uh, a Canadian newspaper that a one-year-old girl by the name of Erica somehow wandered out of her bed in her house, wandered out of her house and spent the entire night in the Canadian winter. If you didn't hear the date, it was February 24th. They're not sure how she got out of the house. They're not sure how any of this took place, but it wasn't until the next day that finally her mom found her uh, a few houses down sitting next to a bush. She was frozen. Her life seemed to be gone. They took her to the hospital, and amazingly, the doctors were able to uh, revive her and rescue her and bring her back to life, and, and, um, and the greatest amazement was there was no permanent harm to her body. And they began um, trying to figure out what took place, and they never did quite find out, but it seemed that she just wandered off and, and, and did not even realize there was a problem. We're going to look at Samson again this morning, and I think when we look at Samson this morning, we'll see that, again, Samson wandered from God and didn't even realize that he had done it or that he was in trouble. In our last glimpse into Samson's life, we saw a man who had little respect for the will of God in his life. He had gone into the Philistine territory, and there he saw a woman that he wanted to marry, and he demanded his parents bring her to him. And they tried their best to discourage him from this, and yet he knew what he wanted and nothing else would do. And so finally his parents gave in to his demands and they arranged for the marriage. On their first trip to her hometown of Timnath, she, uh, uh, when they went there, Samson killed a lion in a vineyard. By doing this, he revealed again his low esteem for the things of God because being in a vineyard was something that, as a Nazarite, he shouldn't have even done. 
On the second trip, he went back into this vineyard and saw the carcass of the lion, and in that carcass was, was honey, and, and he reached into that carcass, which again was something he shouldn't have done, and he did it anyway so he could retrieve the honey, and then he gave it to his parents. Not only did he show little regard for his Nazarite vow, which commanded him not touch a dead animal, he actually violated that vow, and he told no one about it. Samson's a guy that's wandering off the path and he's headed for destruction. He's headed for trouble. He is a warning to all of us. And I want you, as I said at the beginning, I want you to kind of look at your own life and ask yourself this. Am I wandering off the path of where God wanted me to do? Am I living a life that is not pleasing to God? And am I finding myself actually headed for trouble? Samson had broken the promises that God had wanted him to make and those promises were sacred and he had fallen away from them. And God expected him to fulfill them. In this passage, we're going to look at the events that occur when Samson and his family arrive for the wedding that's going to take place. And we'll see that this wedding wasn't a joyous occasion. It was was rather um, tumultuous, really. It was a time of arguments, threats, cryings, killings, and, and so much more. We're going to see that his choices actually created more problems for him down the road. Take your Bibles, if you will, and look at Judges chapter 14. And we're going to uh, follow along as I read, starting in verse 10. His father went down to to the woman, and Samson prepared a feast there, for so the young men used to do. As soon as the people saw him, they brought 30 companions to be with him. And Samson said to them, Let me now put a riddle to you. If you can tell me what, is, what it is within the seven days of the feast and find it out, then I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothes. But if you cannot tell what it is, then you will, shall give me 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothes. And they said to him, Put the riddle that we may hear it. And he said, Out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. And in three days they could not solve the riddle. On the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife, and entice your husband to tell us what the riddle is, lest we burn you and your father's house with fire. Have you invited us to impoverish us? And Samson's wife wept over him and said, You only hate me. You do not love me. You have put a riddle to my people, and you have not told me what it is. And he said to her, Behold, I have not told my father or my mother. Shall I tell you? And she wept before him seven days that the feast lasted, and on the seventh day he told her because she pressed him hard. Then she told the riddle to her people. And the men of the city said to him on the seventh day before the sun went down, What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? And he said to them, If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would have not found out my riddle. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and he went to... uh, Ashkelon, and struck down 30 men of the town and took their spoil and gave the garments to those who had told the riddle. In hot anger, he went back to his father's house, and Samson's wife was given to his companion, who had been his best man. In this passage, we want to look at the details of this story and, and kind of lay it out for you so you understand and then see uh, what lessons we can learn. First of all, we see the wedding that takes place. In verse 10, it says that Samson and his father specifically went down uh, and it says that they were to prepare a feast. Now, this feast indicates very quickly that this was a rather uh, wealthy family. 
you notice in the passage, it says that the feast would last seven days. Based on the number of attendants, that would be quite a lot of money. Imagine if we were to invite the entire church over to your house for dinner today, and then we stayed for seven days, and you had to feed us every day. That would be uh, an expensive, um, that would be expensive meals. We also notice in the text, if you look at verse 10, it says that Samson prepared a feast, and then it says this, for so the young men used to do. Here what he's saying in this passage is this was tradition. It was the cultural tradition of that day. What was the process that would take place for um, this wedding? Well, first of all, as, as we see, the groom was responsible for the feast. Um, today it's, it's a little different. Usually today it's the, the bride's family that's responsible for the feast, but then it was the groom. And, and there was other things involved. First of all, the, the wedding was arranged by the groom's family, and this was done by giving a dowry. Um, they would go down and they would give a gift or a series of gifts to the bride's family, and the reason they were doing that was to compensate for the loss of the daughter. In that culture, daughters were, uh, were very valuable. They were, in, they were the ones that would make the meals. They were the ones that would do a number of the household chores. And so uh, to, to prepare for the loss of the daughter, the, the bride's family was given this dowry. And then what would happen after that would take place, there would, a, would be a period of time called the betrothal period. Usually this lasted about a year where um, they were separated, and during that time the groom would prepare a place for them to live. During that time, the bride would prepare her wedding wardrobe, so to speak, and prepare for the day that the groom would arrive. Now what would happen next was the arrival of the groom usually took place unannounced. Uh, Imagine that, ladies, that uh, you don't announce your wedding day. It just happens to come whenever the groom shows up. Um, some, Some of you would be waiting uh, for a long time anticipating that to happen, and it, it would uh, be a fearful thing not to know when that was to take place. But that is what would happen. Uh, usually the bridegroom would show up at night, and he would come, and he would bring with him his friends. And when his friends and family would come, and usually it was preceded by shouting and, and trumpet blast, and a lot of noise would take place, and uh, and it's just, you know, it's a scenario that I think would be interesting to see take place. But uh, they would come into the house and they would, uh, with all this noise, and, and then the party would begin. And usually what would take place is the party would then be moved to the groom's family's house, and that's where the feast would take place. And that's how things usually worked. Now, Samson's wedding here was a little bit different. Since he was a Jew and he was marrying a Gentile, um, it wasn't the same. Since he was a Jew and he was going to the place of the Philistines, which was enemy territory, so to speak, he did not bring any guests with him. And, And we don't even get the sense that he brought most of his family. It says his father and him went. Maybe his mother was there as well. But he comes along, and since uh, a Jew was marrying a Gentile and he didn't have any guests, the bride's family provided him. If you look in that passage, it says they provided 30 companions. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, And when he came, he didn't, which was the normal tradition, he would have come and he would have brought the bride back to his place for the feast. No, the feast was prepared at her home. Other than that, it was a very traditional wedding. So they come to this wedding, and as they're preparing for this wedding, the, the scripture tells us that Samson decides to give a riddle. And so with that riddle, he makes a wager. 
I think it's interesting because when we look at this, I think this wager reveals a little bit about Samson's heart. At this point, Samson had been uh, allowing sin to slowly creep into his life. I mean, at first it didn't seem like a big deal. He went into the vineyard and even though he wasn't allowed to touch grapes or eat grapes or eat the, any product of grapes, he still decided to go in a vineyard. Now we could look at that and say, okay, that's not a huge deal and, and maybe he could have gone through that without sinning. But then we see the next step was he touched this dead animal that he wasn't supposed to touch. And we see here him wandering farther and farther from God's commands. And we come to this passage, and, and I, I think what we see is because of this unrepentant sin, it's leading to more and more issues. And I think that if we're not careful, that's what happens to us. Ask yourself in your life right now, is there unrepentant sin? And if you let that sin go unrepented, it's going to lead to more and more sins. And we see that here in Samson's life. And I want to look at three aspects of that. First of all, unrepentant sin leads to a callous attitude towards sin. In this story, we have no indication of what prompted Samson to give the Philistines the riddle. If you'll notice in verse 14, we see the riddle that he gave him. It says, Out of the eater came something to eat, and out of the strong came something sweet. Why did he share this riddle with them? Really, there's a number of different reasons. It may have been, and I think this is a strong one, it may have been pride. It may have been he was trying to prove to these 30 men that he was smarter than them. That he uh, had more wisdom than them. It could have been he was trying to break the tension at the wedding. I mean, think about it for a moment. If you come to this wedding and, and, and technically this is the enemy and, and they know it and you know it and, and you come and the first thing that happens is they bring 30 companions to you. It could have been that these companions, many people believe these companions were actually, in a sense, bodyguards, not for Samson, but against Samson, trying to protect the rest of the people against Samson in case he decides to do something. And so maybe he's trying to break the tension. Or maybe it could have been a, a diversion. He was trying to entertain them, and uh, he was trying to just do something that was fun. You know, riddles in that day were very popular. If you look just a few generations later, we see in Kings when the Queen of Sheba comes and visits King Solomon that she uh, presents to him riddles and hard sayings. And so maybe he was just doing what was normal for that day. But regardless of, of Samson's reason, what strikes me here is his callous attitude towards sin. You say, what do you mean? Explain what you're saying there. He looks back and he is giving, and if you have not uh, understood the riddle yet, he's talking about, uh, uh, in the riddle, he's talking about the dead lion and the honey that came out of the lion. And so here he is, he's looking back on an event in his life that showcased his sin. An event that, that points out the fact that he had fallen away from God and away from his Nazarite vow. And he's looking back on that and he's making a joke out of it. He looks back on an event that caused him to break his Nazarite vow and disrespect and defile his parents. And he uses that as a basis for a riddle. I really think that says a lot about Samson. It's something that should have caused him shame, and yet it was something that instead caused him to um, try to cause others to stumble and try to get others. 
See, I think that the same thing is true for us as a real person, a, a person, excuse me, has real spiritual problems when they cease to be affected by their sin, when their sin no longer bothers them. If you're here today and that's you, uh, you are just like Samson headed for trouble. That sin of, of going, and, and it's not a sin for us, but it's a sin for him, and going and touching that dead lion that we talked about last week should have been something that brought him to his knees, but instead it was something that he used as a joke. And he had become so callous to his sin. And many times we do the same. And in 1 John it says this, if we have say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If you're here today and you're thinking, I'm okay, I really don't have a whole lot of problems going on in my life, you're deceiving yourself. And the Bible says here in this passage, the truth is not in you. We're all sinners. And because we're sinners, there's, there's conviction of the Holy Spirit that has taken place. And if, and if we have dishonored the Lord and we, if we have damaged our fellowship with Him through sin, then, then we have to get that taken care of. We have to make that right. And when we sin, we should look for a place of repentance. And that was absent in Samson's life. There was no repentance. And so that lack of repentance led to a more callous attitude towards sin. When that awareness of sin is missing, it's an indication that a heart has grown hard and cold towards God. If you can sin as a Christian and it doesn't bother you, you have a problem. And for Samson, that was the case. It was an indication that his conscience was seared and can be an indication that your conscience was seared. It was an indication that sin has planted deep roots in your life. We need to maintain a tender heart towards God. It ought to break your heart when you sin against God. Now I know, sometimes it doesn't right away, does it? Sometimes we sin and maybe it's something that's seemingly small and, and we walk away and we think no, nothing of it. Sometimes, like David, when David said, God, uh, show me the sin, sometimes we don't always see it, but when we do see it but it doesn't bother us, there's a problem. And that's where Samson was at. The people of Israel got that way. And Jeremiah, I, I like what it's saying here when, when uh, Jeremiah is talking about the people of Israel and talking about the attitude and, and talking about the sin in their life, he says this, were they ashamed when they committed abominations? And notice what it says, no, they were not at all ashamed. They didn't know how to blush, therefore they shall fall among the fallen. When I punish them, they shall be overthrown, says the Lord. God says for us there should be a brokenness over our sin. And way too often there's not. And for Samson that was the case and that unrepentant sin led towards a callous attitude towards sin. But secondly, I want you to notice an unrepentant sin leads towards wrong priorities. Look, if you will, at Judges chapter 14. Look at verse 12. It says, And Samson said to them, Let me now put a riddle to you. So he comes and he puts this riddle, but notice what he does uh, first before he does that. He says, If you can tell me what it is within the seven days of the feast and find it out, then I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothes. But if you cannot tell me what it is, then you shall give me 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothes. I'm going to explain to you what he's, what he's doing here. What he's actually doing is he's making a, a wager. He's making a bet. And he's making actually an unnecessary gamble. 
There was nothing wrong with him actually giving them a riddle. As I said, that was common in that day. Uh, it, it, it was something that they would do. It was an entertain, way of entertainment. And so it wasn't wrong for him to do that, but in the process he makes an unnecessary gamble. Now, what was the gamble? Well, it tells us in that passage, since there was 30 men, that's where he got that number, and it's the first thing he says is there are 30, we'll exchange 30 linen garments. What were the linen garments? These were, were soft linen wraps um, you know, that were used as underwear, basically. And uh, the fact that it says linen tells us something. It tells us that these were expensive. They weren't cheap stuff. They were the expensive stuff that only the rich and wealthy would have had. And then it talks about next the, uh, the outer garment, the changes of clothes. Again, this was uh, the, the reference to the changes of clothes is the idea of this is something that uh, only the rich would have had because a, a, a poorer person wouldn't have multiple changes of clothes necessarily. And so what he's saying here in this passage is, is I want your best. So this is actually uh, a rather costly uh, and expensive gamble that he's making. Why did he do it? I don't know. Maybe he liked uh, the idea of gamble. Maybe he's taking a gamble here. Uh, one author was talking about gambling, uh, and he was saying this. He said, my, my grandmother, who was a serious Southern Baptist, marched me off to Sunday school every day when I was a kid. As I grew older, I switched to a different church and after marriage, and she challenged me, Son, what's wrong with the Baptist church? Well, he explained, when Carol and I got married, we flipped a coin to see whose church we would go to, and I lost. Serves you right, says the grandmother. Good Baptists don't gamble. I don't know if that's always the case, but uh, and I'm not sure if he was even gambling here. I, I actually think there's, a, there's a, another explanation. I think for Samson, he felt there was no way they were going to figure it out. And so in the process, hey, if I'm going to win, I might as well, I might as well get something out of it. We see, a, 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 again, a glimpse into his, into his mind. A man who, first of all, was very covetous, desired what he couldn't have. Was, uh, was this something that he would have on his own? No, he probably wasn't wealthy enough to go out and get 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothes, but it was something that he wanted, and so he figured, I'm going to find a foolproof way to get that. And so in, in his pride, he was thinking there was no way they were going to figure it out. And his unrepentant heart caused him to value wrong things. First of all, he, he, he valued the, the clothes that he couldn't have. And we see through the process, he, he, he wanted a woman who he shouldn't have had and, and even, even wanted the respect of these men that, they thought, that he thought he was better than them and he wanted them to see it as well. Un, unrepentant sin continues to lead us the wrong way. It leads us to a callous attitude. It leads us to wrong priorities. And thirdly, unrepentant sin leads us to hurt relationships. So Samson shares this riddle and he says to them, before the feast is up, you have uh, to find out what the answer to this is. As we said, this feast lasted seven days and so it would go from when it began until sundown on the seventh day. And that's when the feast would end. And Samson, as I said, never thought he would lose the bet. He thought he had weighted it in his favor and he, uh, he just... Uh, he knew that he was just going to get clothes out of this, and, and he was excited about that. 
but he didn't count on the fact that they weren't going to play by his rules. And when they were unable to solve the riddle, what does it tell us? In, in the end of verse 14, it says, after three days, they could not solve the riddle. And maybe, it doesn't tell us this, but maybe during those three days, they sat around, these 30 guys, and talked about the riddle. What do you think it means? What do you think it means? And maybe they went to Samson and said, Samson, you know, what, is it this? And, and you can see if that's taking place. Probably Samson, you know, he gets that grin on his face like, I've got you guys. You, you can't figure this out. You're not as smart as me. You don't, you don't know what's going on here. You can't, uh, you're never going to get this. And what does it tell us? After three days, they were unable to answer the riddle, and so they came to Samson's bride. And notice what it says in verse 15, and they said, entice your husband to tell us what it is. These were not good guys. How do we know that? They were so serious about winning. Like, what did they do? It says they, they threatened her. They said, if you don't find out what it is, we're going to burn your house down and you. That's pretty harsh. But then they go on and they say this. They say in that, passage, in, in, in that verse, have you invited us here to impoverish us? They accuse her of inviting them there so that Samson could rob them blind. Again, another reference to the fact that we're not talking about cheap clothing here. We're talking about uh, something that is, uh, has value. And so what takes place out of fear, the bride goes to uh, Samson. Uh, we see this pattern over and over again in Samson, don't we? Uh, he, he allows a woman into his life that shouldn't be in there, and then she uh, does her best to... Um, get him to do what she wants him to do. And so she comes to him and says, Samson, why won't you tell us this riddle? And notice in that passage, she says, you don't really love me. Verse 16, you only hate me. If you loved me, you would tell me the riddle uh, and, and let me know what this riddle is. And he responds, I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell my mom. I didn't tell my dad, which is truthful. Why didn't he tell them? We know why he didn't tell them, because he didn't want to admit what he did. He didn't want to admit the sin that he had committed of, of touching this dead animal. And so he, he hadn't told anyone. And so she continues to go after him day after day after day. It says in verse 17, she wept before him the seven days. I mean, first of all, isn't that a downer to a wedding feast? For seven days, where's the bride? She's over there weeping. Well, okay, that sounds like a good, a good arrangement here. And she cries and pleads and goes more and more. In verse 17, if you look in that passage, it says she pressed him hard. That idea there is she put him in her grasp. She oppressed him. In other words, she wore him down. We see in that passage, finally, he gets to the point where he's had enough and tells us that he tells her the solution to the riddle. And immediately she goes and she tells her people. People come in verse 18. It says the men of the city came to him. I don't know when this took place. I don't know when she was told, but either way, they, it, it came down to the last moment. If you look, it says that the seventh day before the sun went down, just moments before it was done. I'm sure Samson is sitting there and he is pumped. He's, he's like, I got this. He's feeling big about himself. And they come and they give the solution to it in verse 18, what is sweeter than honey 
What is stronger than the lion? Again, a reference to the story he had done. And <laughs> I, th- I find interesting Samson's response. What does it say there? If you had not plowed with my heifer. Now, man, that's probably not the best thing to call your wife. I don't know. It's probably not the best thing to call any woman. Okay, you walk around and talk about your heifer. Um, usually, that's not going to get you good things. Uh, you'll notice if you if you have uh, ESV in front of you, you notice that it's indented, and that that means this is a quote. This was an old proverb, actually, uh, and this was a a proverb, and it's got an interesting story that I won't get into now. But it's a it's a proverb dealing with uh, understanding that they were they would actually use. If someone came and used your cow, that was not a good thing. And so he's actually referring, he actually is referring to a cow here, but he, he does it in reference to his wife. And there are a few ways we can look at this, but the point of it is, is that uh, they used his wife to get to him at the cost of his relationship. And this unrepentant sin, this, it just continues to trickle down and it continues to create more and more problems for Samson. And now this, this woman that he had to have, that he had to have as part of his life, now because of his sin and because of this riddle and because of his covetousness and because of his pride, and now it's come to the point that this woman he had to have, this relationship is now destroyed. Had Samson been more discerning, he would avoid the problem altogether. He should have not have been involved in the woman in the first place. He should have not have been playing games with the enemy, but he should have not at all had any involvement to do with this animal. But because he refused to keep his distance, he had a high price to pay. And Samson is like a lot of people today. They're smart and they're discerning when it comes to so many things, and yet, They're flat out dumb when it comes to their sin. And the perils that we face because of that are obvious. And yet, for many, for many, many of us, we become oblivious. I mean, we can look at Samson's life and it's like, duh, Samson, if you would have just avoided the woman, if you would have just avoided that animal, if you would have just avoided this wedding feast, if you would have just avoided your pride, all of these things would have not led to that. But he chose to do that anyway. And so because of that, we see in this uh, passage this unrepentant sin. It led to this callous attitude. It led to this wrong priorities. It led to hurt relationships. And the truth is that it'll do the same for you. If you have sin in your life, deal with it. And ultimately, what it led to for Samson was Samson's wrath. We see how did this passage end in verse 19. It says, And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. And he went down to Ashkelon and struck down thirty men of the town and took their spoil and gave the garments to those who had told the riddle. In the hot anger, he went back to his father's house. And Samson's wife was given to his companions, to his companion who had been his best man. And we see now what happens is this explosion of wrath. And Samson had had enough. He had been duped by the woman, by the men, and they were going to pay. And so what, is, what do we see? First of all, we see the explosion of wrath reveals the attitude in his heart. Because of what took place, Samson had a debt to pay. He had lost the bet. 
You know, Samson probably didn't have the money to go out and buy 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothing, and he doesn't do that. He doesn't have them made. He doesn't uh, do, take some of his own. What, what does he do? The Bible tells us he goes down to this town called Ashkelon. Now, Ashkelon was about 20 miles from Timnath. Now, that's a long trip. Okay, we do it quickly, but for them, that would have been a, a substantial journey that he went down. And so think about this. As he's traveling down, this, this anger and this rage continues to build. And he comes down, and what does he do? He, he kills these 30 men, and he takes their, their, their clothing, and he uses that clothing, goes back to these men who were at the feast, and he gives them the clothing. It's a cruel and vindictive way to do, but it's another indication of Samson's heart. Your reactions to the negative actions or the negative words of others around you are a window into your heart. How do you respond? How do you respond when things don't go your way? For Samson, it was just a, a, a total explosion. And that led to, to, to the death of 30 men. Now, were these God's enemies? Yes. But were they innocent of, of what Samson, uh, of Samson's problem? Yes. When we are like Jesus, we're going to react like Jesus. When we're like someone like Samson, we're going to react like Samson. And how did Jesus want us to react? Notice in Matthew, we looked at this passage a few years ago, but he says in that passage, blessed are those are, are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely in my account? Rejoice and be glad, for your reward uh, is great in heaven. The uh, Bible tells us, and Jesus said, hey, when people are, are, are doing actions and are doing words that hurt you, He said, you're blessed when you respond properly. He goes on later in that message and He says this, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. You know, Samson could have responded properly, but instead this explosion of anger revealed what was in his heart, and what was in his heart was, was a, a dislike for the way of God. When there are problems in your heart, you will react according to your fallen nature. And for Samson, he got bitter. He was unforgiving. He was vengeful. He was hateful. He was mean-spirited. And his reactions revealed uh, what was in his heart, revealed what was in his soul. But those, those, uh, that explosion of anger revealed what was in his heart. But secondly, that outpouring of wrath excuse me, led to more corruption. Samson is so angry at what did it take place that he goes down and he kills these men. But notice, if you will, it says in that passage at the end of verse 19, he says, in hot anger, he went back to his father's house. And so it continues on and on and on. He could have you know, went down and did this and realized, hey, this is wrong and turned from it, but he didn't. He continues on. And he's still angry and he goes back to his father's house and he does not... Uh, fulfill the wedding vows that probably at this point had already been made and he returns to his father's house. He calls off the wedding. I mean, essentially here what we have is a not a runaway bride, but a runaway groom. He says, I'm done. What's interesting, verse 20, is as soon as that takes place, that uh, the father-in-law, or the, the potential father-in-law, comes and gives his daughter to another 
It tells us in the passage that it's one of those 30 companions who had been serving as his best man. This event shows us that neither Samson nor his prospective father-in-law nor the best man uh, held the marriage vows in high esteem at all. Samson had no love for this woman that he wanted to marry. No love for her. The girl's father did not care about the vow that he had made by accepting the dowry. The best man didn't care that the girl was promised to another. And this is another indication that we're dealing with a corrupt heart of Samson. This outcome of anger revealed itself over and over again. And the outcome of anger and wrath in our lives is always tragic. That's why the Lord tells us in Proverbs chapter 14, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Anger is always dangerous. It destroys friendships. It ruins relationships. I know there's been times in my life and It's a battle that I have on a regular basis of dealing with that. Not allowing anger to creep in because anger comes in when we're not uh, walking with God the way that we should. And whenever we reveal ourselves in anger, it always hurts others. Samson didn't care. One, One man once said, anger is like fire. It finally dies out, but only after leaving a path of destruction. And anger reveals what's deep inside of our heart. And it always leads to destruction. Anger usually reveals uh, who's wrong in the matter. The person who, who rises up in this uncontrolled anger is usually the one that's, that's not doing the right thing. It's, that's why uh, we're, we're told in, in uh, Ephesians to uh, be angry and sin not. And we see a righteous anger mentioned in Scripture, but an anger like is revealed here with, with, uh, with Samson is one that is not that way. And oftentimes that's the case with us. We see this anger come out with, with Samson, but I want you to notice one last thing about this, and that is the plan of God displays continues despite sin. There's an interesting aspect of this story that we see throughout Samson. That is at the beginning of verse 19. Notice what it says there in that passage. That in this anger, here he is, he's filled with rage, he's filled with anger, and he wants someone to pay for it. And, and, and so he goes down to kill these 30 men. And notice what it says before he goes down. The Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. We know what he did was wrong. We know for him to marry this woman would have been and was the wrong thing. And yet, we see back that we looked at this yesterday. Back in verse 4, it says that his father and mother didn't know that this was from God. And now we know it's wrong for him to go and commit murder of 30 innocent men. And yet, we see in this passage, it says that he did it with the Spirit of God empowering him. Why? I think this is another excellent reminder of the fact that our sin does not derail God's plan. His purposes were fulfilled. Verse 4 that we looked at last week tells us that God used this 
this potential wedding and this, this marriage that was not right, but he used it to seek an opportunity against the Philistines. And although Samson was an unclean vessel, yet God used him in spite of and sometimes in the midst of his sin. And God even used Samson's sin to accomplish his own, God's own will. God used the anger of Samson for the good of God's people. Why? Because God does that. He used Samson in this way. I, I can't explain it fully. I can't. But I do know this, that we serve a God who is sovereign. And a God who is always in control. And regardless of why or how this happened, we see that the attacking of the Philistines was for the glory of God, not for Samson's glory. And he received no reward for his actions. And yet God did. We look at this story and there are some obvious lessons that pop off the page at us that I just want to close with. First of all, we must take care that we don't allow ourselves to flirt with evil. You know, Samson wanted so bad to get what he wanted that it led him down this path that caused him so much more problems. Secondly, we must take care not to harbor anger, animosity, and ill will towards others. You know, Samson could have stopped all of this. He could have stopped and said, you know what? <laughs> you know, you plowed with my heifer, but that's okay. You figured it out, let's handle this. But no, he didn't. We see this isn't the first time that Samson struggled, and this isn't the last time we're going to talk about Samson struggling with anger and with wrath. We can't be a people who harbor anger. We have to be people who deal with it. If there's anger in your life, you have a responsibility to take care of it today. Thirdly, we must be aware that we do not seek wealth that we have not earned. Samson wanted so bad to have these, these articles of clothing, first of all, again, for pride, but second of all, because uh, he, that would make him look good, and again, which is pride, but, and so he was willing to do whatever it took. And then finally, we must be sure that we maintain tender hearts towards God and short accounts with God. How do we correct this pattern? I mean, for Samson, how could he have stopped this from happening? He could have when he made his first big mistake, which was desiring a woman that he shouldn't have. He could have repented of it. Maybe even he started down the path and, and he's going down this way and he's having these wrong motives and he, and he kills this lion and then he comes back to the lion and he touches the lion. It could have been a moment he said, you know what, I broke my vow to God. Could have been, as we talked about last week, he could have done what was necessary, which Scripture said was to shave his head and to offer sacrifices before God. He could have done that. It's, it's a reminder to us that maybe you're here this morning and you have unrepentant sin in your life. Don't allow that unrepentant sin lead to more. 
Don't allow that that sin in your life to lead to callousness, to lead to wrong priorities, to lead to broken relationship. Repent of it today and change. Come before God and whatever your sin is, your sin's probably not the same as Samson's, but maybe it is. Whatever your sin is, come before God and say, God, please forgive me. We looked at the passage a moment ago that says that if we, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. What the next verse says is this, is if we confess our sins, what? He is faithful and just to forgive us. Aren't you thankful that the sovereign God we serve forgives you and forgives me? That we can come before God and God, I was wrong. God, I want you to clean my heart and I want you to purify my life so that I don't continue down this road. Because I believe by the time it got to where Samson was at and even further as we look at next week, there was not a whole lot he could do about it because he had let himself go. And more and more hurt and pain comes into his life and those around him because he wasn't willing to repent. The question is for you today, are you willing to repent? I challenge you to do that. Let's pray. God, we are truly grateful that we serve a sovereign Lord. Lord, you're going to accomplish your will despite me. Lord, you ask me to serve you. And yet so often my sin comes in the way of serving you in a way that is most pleasing to you. Lord, I pray that you will help me. Lord, that you will eliminate this pride in my life. Lord, that you will take the hearts and lives of those that are in this room and help them to see the pride or the struggles that they have, the sin that they have, and Lord, allow them to confess those things, first of all, to you, Lord, and then to those around them. Lord, Samson's such a sad tale. Yet, Lord, the reality is, is we can look at many similar sad tales in loved ones and lives around us. Lord, I pray to help us not to be one of those sad tales, but help us to repent and then seek your face to change. Lord, we thank you for this story. We thank you for your word. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Pastor Nate.